Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to look at two passages of Scripture as our foundation. The first is found in, in Psalms chapter 37, verse 25. Psalms chapter 37, verse number 25. Then we're going to turn to the New Testament, Acts chapter 20, verse number 35. I want you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Psalms chapter 37, beginning with verse number 25. And David said, I was young, and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed or his children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Their children will be a blessing. How do you live a righteous life? Say yes to God. Everyone say yes. I want you to turn then to Acts chapter 20 in the New Testament. Acts chapter 20, verse number 35. Paul is talking to the men that he's discipling. And he said, I have been a constant example to you of how you can help those in need by working hard. And you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Can you say that with me this morning? It is more blessed to give than to receive. One more time. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This morning, I want to talk to you on, this, on the topic of live to give, live to give. This morning, we're going to pray for one of our former staff man, members, Chuck Thompson. He was our facility and maintenance coordinator here for the year of 2016. He passed away on Tuesday at 1230. The funeral will be held here uh, this Thursday morning at 11 a.m. And we would encourage you, if you knew Chuck or if he was a blessing in your life, we'd encourage you to participate in the celebration of his life. But we're going to pray for Nina Thompson and the family today. Will you join with me as we pray for their family? Father, I thank you, Lord, for the grace. Thank you for the ministry and the work of your Holy Spirit that's already here. You truly are a good father. We know that Chuck is in your presence. We recognize today the promise of your word to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for the impact that he had in our world and Lord, for the lives that he touched while he served here at City Church. So I pray, Lord, a special blessing over his family. We know there's sorrow and there's great sadness of the loss of a loved one today. And I pray for the comfort and the peace of your Holy Spirit to be with that family. I pray that the celebration of of life on Thursday, Lord, would be a great honor to you and that those who need to hear the word, those, those who need to hear the message of your goodness and of your grace would be open to receive. Now we bless today. We bless this family. For every person that's in this room, I pray that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear. I pray that you'll give them eyes to see, and you'll give me a mouth to speak. God, the reality that you are a good father, you give good gifts, and you're challenging us to live lives of generosity, to live to give. I pray this now in your mighty and powerful name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been held up before? Anybody ever been held up by a gun before? Anybody in the room ever been held up? Okay. Got a couple of people been held up here? It's a scary thought. And just the thought of somebody having a gun, just the thought of somebody holding you up, trying to demand something from you. Well, I actually had that experience. It was in 1984. I was 19 years of age, and I was working in this restaurant right here. It was called the Tack Room. It was in Tucson, Arizona. At that time, it was one of 11 five-star mobile-rated restaurants in the United States of America. And 
as a matter of fact, right where this table is, about 10 feet from here, I was walking through the dining room, and uh, there was a hallway, and they had a little mirror up in the hallway that you could look up to, and you could see people coming from the other direction. You could also see the entrance to the bar where the cash register was. And as I was walking down the, the hallway, I, I looked up, and I saw that mirror, and I saw a man standing there with a shotgun. He had a mask on. And then I saw another guy with a pistol, and he had his gun pointed towards the head of the bartender standing at the cash register. I mean, at that moment, I just, I mean, it's a weird feeling to stumble onto something like that. I was literally 10 feet away from a guy with a shotgun holding up this restaurant. And I got to tell you, I had one thought in my mind. You know what that was? Run! <laughs> Run as fast as I could. He said, stop! Don't move! And I looked right at his little beady eyes inside of that mask. And I said, forget that. I turned around and ran out of there as fast as I could. Man of faith and power. <laughs> Someone pointing a shotgun at you. You see how tough you are in that moment. The fact is, the thief, a thief has come to rob. A thief has come to steal. And in our lives today, there's a real live enemy. Jesus called him Satan, Lucifer, the father of lies. And the Bible says that the thief has come but to kill, steal, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Come on. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There are generosity robbers in our life. There are things that rob us from living the blessing, to living the peace, to living the faith that God wants for every single one of us. The first generosity robber that we experience in our life is distractions. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There's distractions. They, they pull us away from the purpose and the blessing of God. We all experience it in our life. We all experience the temptation to look towards other things to fill the reality of God's health and wholeness and work of his spirit in our life. The second thing that wants to rob the spirit of generosity, that wants to rob the blessing of God from you is doubt. Everyone say doubt. You know, we can get worried about all kinds of things. And Matthew, Jesus said this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. You see, one of the robbers of our life is doubt, doubting the goodness of God, doubting that he's a good father, doubting that he's able to really meet and supply all of our needs. Maybe some of you in this room, while we were singing that song, Good, Good Father, had a hard time identifying with our Heavenly Father as being good because you had a broken relationship with your earthly father. Many people experience that today. I want to encourage you today. The Father in heaven sees all, knows all, cares, cares for you today, loves you today, hasn't forgotten you, knows exactly where you're at. He's the God who is for you. And if God, your Father who is for you, who can be against you? He's a good, good Father today. Why doubt? Why worry? Amen. Another robber in our life from the blessing of God is debt. 
The Bible says, but just as the rich rule over the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. One of the great challenges in our culture is that credit is so easy to obtain. So many people have found themselves into the bondage of debt, and that debt then becomes like a, 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 a yoke around their neck or like a weight on their back. It bogs them down. It causes them to live in fear of the future, not being able to believe that God is good, that God will supply, not being able to live the life of generosity that brings the blessing of God. And then finally, the devil. Everyone said the devil. The devil's bad. He's bad, bad, bad. Jesus said, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this seed is sown along the path. The seed that was sown in our hearts comes to bear good fruit. The gospel, the message of the gospel, the hope of a relationship with Christ is that we can know today his grace. We can know his peace. We can know his love. We can know his forgiveness. We can know his help. We can know his hope. And so many times we hear the message of truth. We hear the message of the kingdom. We hear even the words of Jesus. We read them off the screen and then we leave the building. We leave the room and just a moment the enemy's there to snatch the seed. You see, the word of God is incorruptible. It's imperishable. And the Bible says that when we open our heart to receive it, it goes down into our heart, down into our heart, into our spirit. And the goal of God today is that word would grow. That word would grow. Because when you read your Bible, you will grow, grow, grow. And Satan has come as a deceiver. He's come as a liar. He wants to trick you. He wants to deceive you into believing that God is not able or God is not wanting to bless and do good for you. The devil's a liar today, and he's come to rob us of the generosity of God. You see, God has made for you and I a way to resist the three greatest temptations of the enemy. You see, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Satan has come to deceive us with these things. But God has given us three things that we can live our lives by that release his blessing, that release his anointing, that releases his favor upon our life. Their integrity. Everyone say integrity. Everyone say humility and generosity. The way that we overcome the three great tests of the enemy the way that we do that is by living as lives of integrity before him, walking, walking humbly before our God, and living open-handed, a life of generosity. It's, why, it's how we walk out the blessing that God has for every single one of us. You know, in the Bible, there are a lot of good words. There are a lot of really good words. There's words like grace. Everyone say grace. In the New Testament, the word grace is used 148 times. We're saved by grace. The grace or the carice is the gift of God. We love grace. We're grateful for grace. I need more grace. It's used 148 times. The word faith, I like faith. I like faith that moves mountains. I love to be around people of faith that speak faith, that believe that God is good, that have a strong sense and confidence that God is for them. And faith is a great word. It's used 521 times in the Bible. And then there's the word love. Everyone say love. We all like love. We want to be love. God's called us to love. God is love. Love's a great word. It's used 714 times in the Bible. And the reason I remember 714, because that's how many home runs Babe Ruth hit when he played baseball. It's a good number. Good number. 714 is a good number. Heaven. Oh, we love heaven. Chuck went to heaven. 
He went to heaven. I believe that. I don't believe just in a pie in the sky, God. I believe in a God who is real, a God who is there, a God who hears. And I believe that every one of us in this room will breathe our last breath and we will stand before the Lord. And if we know him today, we're going to spend eternity with him. Come on, we're going to spend eternity with him. Heaven is grand. Heaven is glorious. It's the place that Jesus has created for those who believe. Oh, heaven, great word. We love heaven 1,071 times. But this word give, this word give was so significant that God chose to use it 2,152 times in the Bible. Give, give. The heart of God is to give. And within the heart of every person who accepts Christ, there's a desire because God's DNA is in you to be a giver. I want to talk to you about seven things that happen when we open up our hearts to live lives of generosity. Seven things that happen. The first thing that happens is when we are generous people, we honor God. When we are generous people, we honor God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul the apostle talking to the church at Corinth, and he was so pleased with them. He was so pleased because they were a church of generosity. He said, the way in which you proved yourselves, you proved your faith, is by this service, which will bring honor and praise to God. You believed the message about Christ, and you obeyed it, sharing generously with God's people and with everyone else. You know what the church of Corinth did? They heard that there was a need at the church of Jerusalem. The church of Jerusalem was in famine. And the church at Corinth, they wanted to give. And they opened up their pocketbooks. And they gave to that church so that there wasn't a need there. And Paul said, because you did that, you you lived a life that brought honor and praise to God. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy, honors God. You see, when we live generous lives, we honor God. We put him first. We're declaring that, God, you are in first place in my life. We're not just generous with our money. We're generous with our words. We're generous with our time. We're generous with our actions. We're generous with our love. But we're also generous with the resources that God has given to us. We choose as Christ followers to live open-handed. The second thing that happens when we live a life of generosity is that our generosity will draw me closer to God. Generosity will draw me closer to God. Deuteronomy chapter 23, the Bible says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Where and how we spend our money shows what we really value. Where and how we spend our money shows what we really value. Jesus said it like this. Your heart will be wherever your, wherever your treasure is. Your heart will be wherever your treasure is. About 15 years ago, my sister-in-law called me, and she was really getting into the stock market. And, and so I, I started following along, and I started reading about how to invest in the stock market. And she gave me a stock tip. She gave me a really good stock tip. She said, I want you to buy this stock called Revlon. Now, I, I, I got to tell you, I kind of maybe knew that Revlon existed, but before she said Revlon, I, I really don't care about makeup. Ladies, I'm really glad that you wear makeup, but let me tell you, I don't care about Maybelline, Revlon, Avon. I mean, they just don't send me up. They don't, they don't get my ticker going. You know what I mean? They're just, they're not something I'm fired up about. But I listened to her. She said, you know, the Revlon, it goes up and it goes down. And if you buy it on the down, you can sell it on the up. And it's called rolling stocks. And so I read a little bit about that. And I went and bought me a bunch of Revlon. Revlon was down. She said, Revlon's going to go back up. And so I started watching Revlon. I became a Revlon devotee. 
I studied about Revlon. I knew everything about Revlon. One thing I found out is that Revlon had way too much debt, and they're probably never going to make any money. But I was invested in Revlon, and I watched Revlon go down, 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 down. I prayed for Revlon. I interceded for Revlon. I stood in the gap for Revlon. I finally sold Revlon. I lost 50% of my money. One thing i got to tell you about a stock tip. If you don't know what you're investing in, don't invest in it. But hear me today. Before, before I put money into Revlon, I could care less about it. It didn't mean anything to me. Barely knew the name. But when I put my treasure there, guess what? Boy, I was reading that newspaper. When the Internet came out, then I started checking the, the ticker. You know, I was watching that thing. Hear me today. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. When we give to God, we honor him. We draw closer to him because we value the things that God values. The third thing that happens when we live generous lives is that it makes us more like God. It makes us more like God. In John chapter 3, you know, the, you know the verse. If you grew up around the church, you've heard it many times. You can probably quote it today. For God so loved the world that he gave. Everyone say gave. His greatest gift, his only son. He gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. God is a giver. He's the giver of good gifts. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of breath. He's the giver of hope. He's a good God today. And we put our faith in him. We begin to understand. We begin to understand who he is, and it makes us more like him. Someone once said, we're more like God when we're giving. We're more like God when we're giving. You know, here's the fact today. You can give and not love but every person that truly loves God will desire to live a life of generosity. The proverb says, the greedy always want more, but the godly love to give. Did you hear that today? The greedy, the greedy today always want more, but the godly love to give. I love to give because I know that when I give to God, I know that when I open my hand up and share with other people, I know that there's not a lack with my God. The Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Sometimes we have this view. We got this little pie. We got this little tiny pie, and that's all the resources in the world, what we have inside of this pie. But that's not true. You see, God owns it all. If God can get it to, God can give you, get it to get it through you, God will give it to you. If God can trust you to live open-handed, you will receive from God today. You'll receive grace. If you give grace, you'll receive grace. If you give forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness. If you give love, you'll get love. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And the fact is today, when we live generous lives, we become more like God. What I love about City Church, what I love about this church family, is that we are such a generous family. I've watched over the last years as we've given to mission projects and we've given to different people that have come through and we've given to our own church family. I watched this two years ago as we, we gave to the, raise, to, the, to the REACH campaign and so many of you were faithful and we're able to worship now in this beautiful facility because so many of you were generous. Some of you give every week and because you give, we're able to keep the doors open and turn the lights on and minister to the children and the youth and reach out into this community to support the 35 missionaries that we support. But you know what I really love about this church is your belief in giving to the next generation, your commitment to it. 
And because of that, we've been able to raise a couple of world changers. I want you to watch this video of a couple of young people in our church who become champions for God because of your giving. Tell us your names and ages. I'm Melissa Jinks and I'm 13. I, my name is Brenda Maria and I'm 12. What grade are you guys in now? I'm in 7. I'm in 6. Yeah, we've known you guys for quite a few years. You for several and I think, you know, you were really, really little. You guys have been coming to City Church for quite a while now. And um, So tell us how you first came to City Church. I started off in the VPK and through there I grew to the church and the Impact Girls and Missionaries. And so we started from there. Um, well, it started with my little sister. My mom was trying to find a preschool for my sister, my little sister, and she came to City Church and she saw posters on the wall of all the little um, small groups for the kids. We went one Sunday and we found out that it was fun. We all came back in the car and she asked us, so do you want to stay here or do you want to go back to our other church? And we all like screamed, we want to stay here. Mr. Kenny, and he was walking with me, and I was really scared because I was much younger than the other kids, and he just told me that if you have faith in God and you trust in Christ, that you can get through this and you can be family. And so from there, I started going every Wednesday, and I just felt comfortable in that environment, and I felt happy, and I was safe. So through City Kids, you guys have had many opportunities to grow spiritually, to know Jesus more and more, and one of the things we do in City Kids is we take you guys to camp. And I know that's impacted your life. So can you guys tell us a little bit about a memory from camp? Well, for me, it was when we came back from camp and Pastor Kristen was having us on stage to tell our memories of it. And she had an altar call after that. And I just felt that presence that I was feeling at camp. I just felt it with me there and that it was just so spiritual and it was so impactful on everyone else that you could just see it. My biological mom, she left us at a very young age. I don't really have much good memories of it, but when we were at camp, I was still really angry at her. Um, but as God was, it was an altar call, and as God was talking to us, like, I was praying, and God talk, said to me, don't be mad at her. She made a mistake, and everyone makes mistakes. So forgive her, and don't be mad at her forever. So that's when I really thought, well, Okay, God, it's really hard not to be mad at her because she left me. And I was just thinking of, of it overnight. Just God told me to forgive, God forgive her. That's right. So. We've seen you guys grow so much over the last several years, and it's really incredible to see us in a jug. It really helps the kids' lives and everyone's lives. And just how I, and just how I was upset maybe someone else might have the same thing going on in their life and maybe God can speak to them the same way and I know there's lots of people at my school that can really use God and maybe He can change their life too. I walk around school campus every day and I see the kids that aren't saved and they don't have a church family so I feel like when we give for the right reasons, we give because there's, we can save those children and we can bring them to our church family and make them feel welcomed and happy like I was when I was little. 
come on. Because of our generosity, we're being able to become more like God and demonstrate his love and see the next generation impacted. Generosity is the cure for the love of money. Generosity is the cure for the love of money in our life. There are two great gods in our culture. The first one is sex. The second one is money, stuff. We're a culture consumed with these two things. And the fact is when we learn to live open-handed and begin to become generous with God and towards others, it breaks that spirit of materialism. Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. You just can't do it. You'll either serve the one or the other. The devil has a, a little tool that he uses, a little deception that he uses. I call it commercials. <laughs> He tries to get you to want. There's a constant desire for want, for new, for better, for bigger. We all like new. We all like better. But the fact is today, it can consume our life. It can consume the motivation and the drive of why we do what we do. Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. We've equated success with material prosperity. And too many people have, des have desired and believed that their net worth determines their self-worth. I want you to hear today, your net worth your net worth does not determine your self-worth. Your self-worth is rooted in your identity in Christ. You're a new creation. You're a new person. You're a new person in Jesus. You're an overcomer. You're a victor today. God today has a pattern, and he has a plan for us to break the spirit of materialism off of our life. Paul said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be generous and be willing to share. Command them to be generous and willing to share. My sons were very young, probably seven and two or eight and three, something like that, and we pulled into a Mickey D's, went to the drive-thru and got our burgers and, you know, those fries and they put them in the bag. It's just like, it's irresistible, right? And so my son Austin had got a little Mickey D kids meal and, and so they handed it to him and then I immediately reached over to grab a fry. And he's like, that ain't your fry, dad. That's my fry. Don't take my fry. I'm looking, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I am the source of all French fries in your life. I can give you fries, and I can take away fries. You got to be kidding me. Those are my fries. No, they ain't your fries. Those are my fries. And that's exactly what we do with God. We think we own it. We think it's ours. No, no, you got it all wrong. The Lord can give, and the Lord can take away. And when we begin to understand the power of sharing, the power of generosity, the power of giving, we step into that reality of the blessed life. You see, generosity brings God's blessing. The Bible says, get generously. Then because of this, God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to do. God wants to bless your work. God wants to go before you. God wants to show you favor. God wants to increase you in every dimension, every sphere of your life. 
God wants to bless you with more love. God wants to bless you with more peace. God wants to bless you with more hope. God wants to bless you with more forgiveness. God wants to bless you with more so that you can be more generous. It's the heart of God to do good. But if that stuff, if the stuff that God gives you captures your heart and keeps you from living a generous life, let me tell you, all bets are off. You see, every promise of God is conditional. If you do this, then I will do this. If you live generously, God says, I will bless you. Paul told the church at Corinth, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's the deal, guys. Blessings are beyond just what we see in our American worldview. Blessings are really, they're, it's, it's based on where you live. The favor and the blessing of God is different from one culture to another. But I got to tell you today, I experienced the blessing of God when several years ago our church made a commitment to build a church in Nogales, Mexico. The pastor that was at this church, her name was Pastor Reina. Pastor Randy, you can see here there's a group of us that went down. This is back in 2003. We had made a commitment to build this church, and, and this woman was amazing. She had such amazing faith and such amazing tenacity. She built a church on the midst of a garbage dump. I mean, where her church was located, there were people all in the hills and all around the community, but she built this church right on top of a garbage dump. I want you to see the first building when we landed there. This is the first building that her church was meeting in. And she had been praying and praying and praying that God would give her a new building so that he, she and her team could bring his love to that community. The community that we went into for hundreds and hundreds of years to this very day still doesn't have running water. The year before we got there in 2003, they had just had electricity run up into the hills in that community. I mean, these people, by our standards, are very, very poor. Pastor Reina is very poor. This is the church that she was able to put together. I mean, you can see they just scrap wood. They pull stuff out of the dumpster to make these little lean-tos, a place where people can worship God. And when I met her, she told me how she had prayed for 10 years for somebody to come and to build a church so that she could bring glory to God and reach more people for him. After two years of our team being there, I want you to see the building that we were able to bless her with. Come on, give God a great big hand. But I got to tell you, she taught me more about faith and more about blessing than I, ever could have, than I ever could have by just giving to her. Because see, in this part, in the southwest, this part of Mexico, water is very precious. They get three to four inches of rain a year. And so when it rains, man, you are collecting water. There's no running water. They can't run to the faucet and turn on the water faucet. It doesn't work like that. They have to collect rain. They, they, they put out great big buckets. They, they have these water trucks that come sometimes once a day or sometimes once a week, depending on how, how available water is in that community. And they'll get these water trucks, and people will have 50-gallon barrels or 5-gallon buckets, whatever they can to, to get water, pay the little bit of money they have to get water because water is life. Pastor Arena was amazing. The first thing that she did is she built, before we built this building, she had a great big water tank that she built. And then all around her property, she had 50-gallon barrels. And I began to talk to her. And she said, one of the things I got to tell you, she said, this community, our big outreach is giving water. 
And she said, God has always supplied water. She says, we have so much water that we can share with our neighbors here in the hills. As a matter of fact, after we built this building, I saw her out there with a five-gallon bucket of water, and she was taking it, and she was scooping it out on the road. I said, Pastor Water, Raina, Raina, why are you wasting that water? She said, no, 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 it's not a waste. She said, I'm knocking the dust down so the dust doesn't blow into our building. See, that's an abundance for every good work. I mean, for us, we're thinking, you know, millions. And listen, there are people that God blesses with that. But for most people, really, it's just about giving the little that we have. And we give our little, God is able to make it into much. Because at City Church, it's never about, it's never about the equality of the giving, but it's about equal sacrifice. Some will give a little, some will give a lot. God's blessing, God's favor is upon her. And God wants to favor you. He, you are his righteous cause. And finally, generosity expands my influence. Generosity expands my influence. Proverbs chapter 11, the Bible says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Everyone say larger. Come on, larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Ralph Waldo Waldo Emerson said about generosity, be an opener of doors for such as come after you. Be an opener of doors for such who come after you. And what God has placed in our heart as a church family, what God has placed in our heart as a leadership team, is that God has called us to be a door opener for the next generation. God has called us to raise up champions for him and his kingdom. See, the Bible says those who give generously to those in need, those who give generously to those in need will never be forgotten. They will have influence and honor influence. God wants to expand your influence through your generosity. The year was 1986. I had spent one year in Bible college in Portland. My experience in Portland, it was a very, very challenging season. God was working in my life. It was one of the hardest times of my life. Everything that I had, I remember one time I prayed a prayer. I said, God, you can take whatever you want. I was driving a little Mustang at that time, and I got down to the bottom of the hill, and, and someone, I was shopping in this little grocery store, and someone comes and said, hey, there's a yellow Mustang outside in the parking lot on fire. I said, well, I don't have a yellow Mustang. I have a t- tan Mustang. But in about 15 seconds, I realized that yellow Mustang was my tan Mustang. I told God he could take whatever he wanted. Oh, I mean, you know, be careful what you pray. You get what you ask for. But it was in that season, God was doing a deep work in my life and teaching me about faith and teaching me about trusting him. I went home. I left that Bible college. I was so discouraged. I said, God, I'm never going back. That summer, I was working in a restaurant, and God began to speak to me as I would go up to the church every day to pray. I'd go up there just to pray and to seek God and to figure out his direction and purpose for my life. And one day as I was driving up the church, man, I started having this conversation. Anybody ever talked to God before? I had having a, and I know he was talking back. And he was saying, you go to Portland Bible College. I said, no, God, I'm not going to Portland Bible College. I don't have the money. You can't make me. I don't want to go. Be careful what you pray. But I knew God was speaking to me about going back to Portland Bible College. And I said, Lord, I don't have any money. You know, Lord, if I had the money, I'd go. That night, I was working in the restaurant. This man came into the restaurant. His name was Buck O'Reilly. Buck O'Reilly owned the local Chevrolet dealership in town. He came with his wife and with the two children. 
I happen to know his family because I went to high school with his two kids. And as I began this conversation, we had a, a mutual friend. He was the state director for Teen Challenge in Arizona. His name was Snow Peabody. And I began to build a conversation, build rapport, and talking to Mr. O'Reilly about, uh, about Snow Peabody. And then I began to share my testimony. And as I began to tell him how God delivered me from drugs and alcohol and all these kinds of things, I saw his kids duck. And they're like praying that I don't bring them up because I, I went to high school and hung out with them. But I just begin to share about the goodness of God and how he saved me and delivered me and set me free. I was pouring a bottle of wine, and as I'm sharing my story, God opened that man's heart. You see, the next day, I, I had argued with God. God, I can't go. I don't have any money. The next day, I get a phone call from my pastor. My pastor says, uh, do you know a guy by the name of Buck O'Reilly? I said, well, I don't know Buck O'Reilly. I said, I met him last night. I waited on him. He said, Buck O'Reilly called Snow Peabody today, and he wants to pay your whole way back to school next year. Come on, give God a great big hand. <laughs> Hear me today. Come on. Buck's generosity brought influence. I went back to Portland Bible College. And in that year, I met a young lady, the most beautiful girl in the world. Her name was Laura Jean Loy. Come on, I met Laura that year. I got married the next year. I had two boys. And in 1998, my wife and I moved to Central Florida to start City Church. You know, Buck O'Reilly has no idea that City Church exists. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. He's a, a very old man now, and he's lived a good life. And, but his influence keeps on giving. I still remember that day. I remember that act of generosity. I praise God. I thank God for that person. And let me tell you, too, that's exactly what generosity does in your life. It opens a door for influence. It opens a door for God's favor. And ultimately, we will stand before the Lord, and we won't take one dime with us. But what we will do at the end of our life is everything that we've given, every word of kindness, every act of love, every demonstration of generosity by giving to other people, the Bible says we will be rewarded for, every single one. And God's a good rewarder. He's a good God. And he knows how to good, give good gifts. And today, today as we open our hearts to this raise campaign, as we open our hearts to giving so that we can build the building to raise the foundations of the next generation, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you today. Open your heart to God. I want you to bow your heads. You're here today and your life isn't right with the Lord. You've heard about the goodness of God, and you've heard about his grace, and you've heard about the hope that we have in him as believers. And You know you're here today, and your life isn't right with him. You know today that you need him in your life, and you're tired of trying to do this on your own. You need his favor. You need his kindness. You need his hope. You need his hope for a preferred future in your life today. If that's you in this room, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, Three, come on, in this room right now. I'm in, all across this room. Hey Amen, that's a good place to be. <laughs> that's a really good place to be. Hey Amen, can you put your hands down? You're here today, and you're a believer, and, but man, you've been struggling with really trusting God. and You've been really struggling and believing that he can provide for you. And today, you just need a prayer of faith prayed over you, a prayer of encouragement prayed over you. If that's you right now, just raise your hand right where you're at. Come on, anyone in this room? Amen. All across this room. All across this room. Amen. I want everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, 
I admit today that I need you. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are a good God. You've come to forgive me. You've come to restore me. You've come to give me a new life. I ask, Lord Jesus, for you to become a reality in my heart and in my life. Today, Lord Jesus, I'm making a decision to put my faith, to put my hope, to put my trust in you. Come into my life in a very real way. And when I leave this place, I never want to be the same. In your mighty and powerful name, amen. Can you give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning? Amen. There were some of you that prayed that prayer. There's a connect card in front of you. You can check it off. I want someone to contact you this week and pray with you. Every person, when you came in, you got a card. You got something that looked like this. It was called a raise brochure. And this is about our campaign. It talks about the build and the size, the cost. It's $1.1 million is what it's going to cost us to build a 12,500 square feet state-of-the-art building. And then you got a little commitment card like this. And I want to walk through this commitment card with you. This is called My Faith Commitment. There's three things that you can do practically here. There's three things that you can do practically. First is pray. Everyone say pray. Begin to pray. What would God have you to do? This Friday at 1130, actually from 12 to 1 o'clock, we have a prayer meeting here at City Church every Friday. And if you're available, I'm going to challenge you this Friday to come and to pray with us. And we're praying. We're praying for God to move in this city. We're praying for children and young people to experience his grace and forgiveness. We're praying for a spirit of renewal and revival in the hearts of God's people. We're going to pray this Friday from 12 to 1, and I would encourage you to join with us as we pray for God to move in a greater capacity in our church, to open our hearts to receive from him. The second thing that you can do is you can plan. I want you to talk with your spouse if you're married. If, you, if, you're, if you're by yourself, you're a single person, I'm going to challenge you. Just begin to plan in your heart. God, what would you have me to do? Begin to just take this week and say, God, I want to do something. I want to live to give. I want to be a blessing. Lord, what would you have me to do? And then the practical thing is next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to receive a Sunday morning first fruits offering. And we're also going to turn these pledge cards in. We're going to receive a first fruits offering. I'm challenging some of you to, to write the best check that you can write. But then I'm also challenging you for the next two years to give. We've done, we did this several years ago, and this church was so amazing in your generosity. This building is only going to be built as the generosity of, of God's people takes place in this church. And I want to encourage you today. I want to thank you for hearing and receiving the word of the Lord. God bless you.